welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. Our guest today is Dr. Darren Glassbrook, Executive Director of the Mobile Medical Museum, which is the recipient of the Alabama Historical Association 2022 Historical Museum Award for Small Project Category. This award recognizes achievement by a museum with fewer than two paid employees. Welcome, Dr. Glassbrook. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, it's great to be with you. I wonder if you could tell us something about the Medical Museum of Mobile, its history, its location, visitor information. Absolutely. This year we are celebrating the 60th anniversary of our founding by Dr. Samuel Eichel II, who was an internist for Mobile, a man of many interests. He founded the Medical Museum way back when the Mobile General Hospital opened a new building, and we had our first exhibits in the hospital lobby. We've come a long way since then. Since 2003, we have been located at the Vincent Doan House in Mobile, which is the oldest house still standing in its original location, and it was built in 1827. It's in the French Creole style of architecture. I believe it's the oldest example of that architectural style in Mobile. We have some visitors come by to get the history of the house. That's part of our attraction. We have a wonderful permanent collection of medical artifacts spanning over 300 years. And we try to cover a broad range of medical history. We do a lot of educational tours for K through 12 students, for medical and nursing students, and for general visitors. There's not too many medical or healthcare museums left around the world. They used to be much more common, and all of them have a different kind of organization. We have highlight a lot of local history of Mobile and the state of Alabama. Some of your listeners may know that Mobile was the site of Alabama's first medical school. The Medical College of Alabama was founded here in 1859. And so for the 19th and early 20th century, Mobile was really the center of healthcare education and services for this region. That's why we have a great story to tell. And a lot of people are very pleasantly surprised at how relevant medicine and healthcare is to their lives and to the general history of how Mobile and how the state has grown. The Vincent Doan House is located on the grounds of the USC South Alabama Children's and Women's Hospital, which is in Midtown Mobile at 1664 Spring Hill Avenue. We are open Tuesday through Fridays, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock, Thursdays till 6, and then the first Saturday of every month we stay open from 1 to 3. So that's a little bit of background on our organization, our history, and our visiting hours. Tell us a little bit more about your permanent and your special exhibits. 
So as I mentioned before, our permanent collection covers from the colonial era through the recent past. We have exhibits on the rise of cardiovascular medicine, on development of modern pharmacology. Some of the more popular collection are an iron lung that was used to treat polio in the 1930s. We have a functioning heart-lung machine from 1960s used on the first bypass surgeries in Mobile at the Old Mobile General Hospital. We have x-ray devices from the earliest years of x-ray experimentation, the 1890s through the 1920s, and a great collection of other artifacts as well, including two anatomical models that Dr. Josiah Knott of Mobile had shipped to the medical college that he had founded to put on display in there. Those were restored in the 1950s, and so they are just beautiful examples of anatomical art that we have on permanent display. And then, as you mentioned, we have special exhibitions, one or two a year. Our next one that's going to be opening in June is called Seedlings, a History Trick Care. Sometimes exhibitions like this one are based on artifacts from our own collection, and sometimes we work with other organizations like the Contemporary Arts Center, the Health Sciences Museum at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. We do love partnering with other organizations and seeing how we can share our resources to tell the story in the most effective way. Are there any other outreach programs or community connection programs that you're involved with? Yes. One that we're really excited about is a partnership with the Master Gardeners of Mobile County, Mobile Urban Growers, and the Full Life Ahead Foundation. This has to do with our medicinal garden, the Robert Thrower Medicinal Garden, named after a very reputable ethnobotanist from the Porch Creek community. He was a friend to the museum. After he passed away a few years ago, we decided to dedicate the garden in his memory. The garden is a great resource for us. We use it to educate people on the centuries of herbal medicine from around the world. This was, you know, some of the earliest medicine practiced for tens of thousands of years. It's also a community garden, so you can come visit the garden even when the museum is closed during daylight hours and harvest what you need and take it home with you. We have blueberries, chili peppers, lemongrass, oregano, aloe vera, a lot of garden products that people appreciate in their kitchen cabinets and their spice cabinets and for cooking. What we do with these other organizations is a bi-monthly horticultural therapy course for adults with intellectual disabilities. This is a program that we launched last year, and because of that program, we are looking to make some major renovations to the medicinal garden so that it can continue to serve people in our community throughout the year and contribute to Mobile's culture and Mobile's greenscape. That sounds pretty remarkable. Robin Thrower was well known to historians in Alabama especially those who dealt with the Native American presence in Alabama, the Creek presence in Alabama, and of course the Creek Wars. And his loss was truly felt throughout the entire community. I'm very pleased to hear that y'all have honored him in this way. And I suspect that he would be pleased to know this. How do you feel about this progress of your horticulture work with intellectually disabled Alabamians? 
It relates to our mission and our values of being an inclusive place. We try to represent in our organization itself and in our exhibitions and programs, stories and activities that can involve everyone. We want you to recognize yourself when you come to the museum and you you look at this history and you take part in our programs, we want you to feel like you are reflected here. That hasn't always been the case with people with disabilities. We just had a special exhibition called Different Fit, A History of Eugenics. Some of our listeners may be familiar with the eugenics era that started not in Nazi Germany, but in the United States and in Britain in the late 19th and early 20th century. And the feeling was is that people with intellectual, physical disabilities, mental health challenges, people who were different sexually and so forth, were really not fit to contribute to the gene pool. The role of society should be to discourage them from reproducing and contributing to society. They were hidden away. They were institutionalized and in some cases involuntarily sterilized. So that's a very unfortunate part of our history. We do not shy away from the darker moments of medical history. I think that would be a disservice to educators that use our resources. And we try to understand why these things happened and how to avoid them from happening again. But at the same time, we're trying to set a better example by making people understand what having a disability is like. For people with disabilities, we want to help them to use our facilities and to experience our programs in a way that they are comfortable with. So that's part of the reason why we're doing this program and why I think it fits in so well. What about future plans? The Mobile Medical Museum has a number of programs that we have launched and are continuing to build or that we are planning to launch soon. One is the African-American Nurses Oral History Project. We discovered that there were quite a few people still in Mobile and across the state who were some of the first generation of African-American women to be formally educated in a nursing program in Mobile. This was in the 1950s during the segregation era. It's a fascinating story, and we wanted to capture, in their own words, what they experienced going through these programs, becoming employed in the segregated wards of the hospitals, what that was like while there's still time, while these people are still with us. And that's been a really valuable program. And we're continuing to record these interviews and disseminate them locally and nationally to educators and students. In the fall, we are planning to launch a new program the Medical and Nursing Humanities Residency Program. Medical humanities is a catchphrase that you may hear from time to time, but, you know, the sciences and the humanities were not always so diametrically opposed as they can be today. What we're trying to do is to invite interesting and powerful humanities scholars and practitioners people in the arts, people in humanities fields like philosophy and history to come to the museum for a period of about four to eight weeks and use our resources, use our collection and our archives 
and integrate that into their own work in progress. And then at the end of their residency, do a community-based project to present to, in particular, healthcare practitioners and students who would benefit from this kind of cross-disciplinary approach. Oh, also, if I almost forgot, we are producing a series of short videos called Living Through COVID-19. We've all been through something really intense and powerful the past few years with this pandemic, and we wanted to record some of these experiences and also provide people with good scientific and historical information about where this virus comes from, what it's all about, how to protect yourself from it, how to protect the community from it. But the interesting thing about it is it's all done from the point of view of teenagers. It's hosted by local teenage actors. It's going to be uploaded to YouTube and they will be addressing their peers. The hope is that teens who don't know much about what's going on or still have questions and still have some uneasiness and uncertainty about where we're headed, that they can use this resource to feel better and feel like they at least have good information to base their decisions on. These are three very powerful programs that are going to progress rapidly into full-fledged programs in the near future. If people want to find out more about these programs, will they be able to get any information from a website? Yes, we have a website, www.mobilemedicalmuseum.org. We're pretty active on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, you can look us up. Mobile Medical Museum. We post a lot of pictures and content on our social media pages about our collection. So if people are curious about what we have before they visit, that would be a good place to look. That's Facebook and Instagram then, Mobile Medical Museum, correct? That's correct. Wonderful. Listen, tell us a little bit about yourself. You introduced me as Dr. Glassbrook. I want to make it clear that I'm not a medical doctor. I don't have an MD. I have a PhD. And my background was first in literature. Once I completed my graduate studies, I was involved for many years in art museums. So it's only been about six years that I've been the director of the Mobile Medical Museum and discover this whole new area of history that I found very fascinating. Interacting a lot with doctors, nurses, and medical students keeps me on my toes and (laughs) forces me to study up and make sure that I know what I'm talking about. That said, whenever I give a tour, I say, you know, garden, the herbal medicines in our garden, we have historical information that we're telling you about. We're not vouching for these cures (laughs) you should always consult a physician before you try anything. I always see people out there on YouTube and in other places still selling, still promoting these cures from hundreds of years ago that we know are no longer sound. And we're not in that business. I think that's a good disclaimer to make (laughs) right there. Well, with that, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Well, I just want to say thank you to you and to our listeners for giving us this opportunity to get the word out about our museum. 
We are a small museum, even in Mobile, a lot of people who've lived here their whole lives don't know that we're here. We try to advertise and promote as much as possible, but it's sometimes hard to break through all the noise. But definitely programs like this are a big help to us. And we are a small, independent, private, nonprofit, not affiliated with the University of South Alabama, with the city of Mobile, or any other public or private entity. So we depend on community support to keep the doors open and keep doing these programs for the community. So if you are listening and you have been to the museum and participated in our programming, we would invite you to join our membership or make a donation to the museum so we can keep uh, building toward the future. Membership is vitally important to all museums, especially the smaller museums throughout the state and the region. Congratulations from me and from the Alabama History Podcast for winning the Alabama Historical Association's 2022 Historical Museum Award. And Darren Glassbrook, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Marty. It was great to be with you. Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at city stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org. Dot org.